many people wish to be visionaries because it sounds pathetic, you know, because, oh, I'm a visionary. Hold on. It's about your ego. Ego kills vision instantly because you don't see the world. You see only yourself in a higher position. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have a guest here who is a thought leader, author, keynote speaker, and consultant who has written several books and is going to be a legend teaching us more about vision. The Vision Code is his latest best-selling book that just recently came out. And we're going to go dive deeper on what does it mean to be able to set a proper vision? What exactly are the things that you should be doing to gain that clarity and to really make it impactful, not only in setting that vision, but really executing on that vision? Now, Oleg Konovalov has actually been named on so many boards, such as Thinker 50 Radar, Global Guru's Top 30, has been recognized as number one global thought leader on culture by Thinkers 360, number one leading coach by Marshall Goldmiss Thinkers 50, and has been named one of the top 10 most inspiring global thought leaders by the Exiligent. Now, having been named the Da Vinci of Visionary Leadership by many authorities of our time, Oleg has actually been helping companies create and execute their vision, diagnose diseases within the company, maintaining strong productive corporate culture and achieving superior business performance. So we are in for a treat and we're going to be learning a ton today. Dr. Oleg, thank you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much. Dr. Oleg, you know, I'm still human. Come on, just <laughs> And when people call me legend, hey, come on, I want to be alive. When legend, it sounds somebody already passed away. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make well, it good things whilst we're living. For this one, we're going to keep it just as superhumans because you have achieved so many things. And I mean, this is the latest in the list of books that you've published. You've had Lediology, you've had Corporate Superpower, you had Organizational Autonomy. What makes you so excited and passionate about going into these businesses and identifying these problems and helping people solve them? I have a simple definition. How vision comes, right? Well, it sounds simple. Vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem you want to solve for the benefit of others reaches its peak. So it's nothing about I want to write a book and I want to be famous. Who cares? My wife would ask me to do dishwashing. You know, it's still all right. But the thing is, what kind of a solution I could find that people would really benefit from it? And I'm looking at the things which many people are really afraid to look at. I spent quite a time at sea facing horrible storms. I was in the army all days. So it's not so many people that could scare me. But therefore, I'm looking at something which never been explored in depth, for instance, vision. It's never been explored, mainly using it as some kind of a mission statement. And we think, yeah, we must be clear in what we do. No. Before we even come to it, we need to really realize what keep this world spinning around. What is a problem that causes a friction? What is where the people pain? It's nothing like you're walking down the street and you go, oh, I have a bright idea. 
No, it's really process of thinking, focus thinking about people and their desires. And in this sense, how much we are prepared to listen to them. If we don't listen to them, your ideas could be brilliant, but not as effective or valuable for people. Many people wish to be visionaries because it sounds pathetic, you know, because, oh, I'm a visionary. Hold on. It's about your ego. Ego kills vision instantly because you don't see the world. You see only yourself in a higher position. Nothing for people in it. Vision is a very interesting thing. Vision is not a choice. Vision is a firm decision to live and work meaningfully. And be prepared for vision, your vision, to impact you. You grow it greater, and in greater sense, it impacts you. So the right number of factors that underlines. And then only it comes to that point where it's become very, very clear, very, very simple, and so very, very effective. So it's a journey, but it's so exciting. Therefore, I'm looking into it and thinking, hey, that is something that would be valuable for people and it will impact me in a way that I could do even more. Mm. I love that. And I'd be curious to know, for most of the people that you were working with and you decided to put this work together to help people get to embrace this idea of their vision more powerfully, what were the common things that people were doing wrong? What were companies doing with the mission? Were they not investing in it? Were they not defining it clearly or were they not living up to what they would state? In most cases, yes, we have a big problem. Less than 0.1% of modern leaders have vision. I'm not talking political guys. I'm talking about the corporate world or business world. So we are blind in, to such extent. But what happens, even if something came up to their mind, some kind of a brilliant idea, then it's a huge problem because execution and vision itself are often not aligned together. The focus is not there. You must be focused on your long-term goals instead of being focused on your bottom lines. Vision, it's a multidimensional space in the future. It's our aspirations for the future that we strive to make a reality today. So it's nothing about the bottom lines. Can I inspire people with the bottom lines? No chance. <laughs> we will be the best in profit. And somebody sitting in a marketing department is thinking, what's in it for me? Nothing, right? Because I want to be back home from my office and saying to my family, look, we do really something important. This is really that would make our life better, would make a life of our kids better. And that inspires. When we talk about inspiring or inspiration itself, it's clearly showing people, you can do this. And I'm here as a leader to lead you there. It's nothing about, I'm pushing you, you must go beyond yourself. You know, we are champions in producing sweat in our office. No, we are champions in making life better. I have a group of clients and the people that are trained on my course, all I can have a vision leadership course. And we have a simple principle. We are here to reveal the greatness of each other. 
we're creating a vision to make people better, live better, become stronger. Then those things which are not in our focus, we must produce an excellent annual report or quarter report, all to be focused on this. Where's your focus? The result is there. Mm. So if you're working on the vision and you're kind of not actually paying as much attention to the bottom line, what happens to the bottom line typically for these organizations who choose to set forth a powerful vision that inspires the team? Because I don't know through your research, if you've noticed performance, does it take care of itself? What happens for these organizations that are very vision first? I love talking to Gary Rich. Gary Rich is chairman and CEO of WD-40, this famous company that produces that famous spray. And we typically think, okay, I will spray it on the rusty bolts and nuts and everything. You know, Formula One, all teams uses WD-40. I wouldn't be surprised if astronauts taking with them. <laughs> you know. So, seemingly a monoproduct. We sold in 176 countries. The engagement rate in terms of corporate culture and how people engage with it is the highest in the world, 96%. And they call themselves a tribe. What happens with that single product? They are turning almost half a billion dollars and their capitalization these days is about $2.7 billion. Ba-da! So, isn't that a miracle? I'm actually familiar with WD-40. They're actually a world blue certified organization, which means that they prioritize freedom and democracy in the workplace. And so I know they're one of the case studies that most people don't even think about, yet you see the bottom line got taken care of so powerfully. Now, this doesn't seem like it's an exception. It seems like most organizations that go and set the vision first seem to be able to produce extraordinary results. Is that mostly because of the talent they're able to attract? Does it impact the sales? What's happening? No. The magic of vision is very interesting. I must make others the co-owners of vision. I don't talk about vision. Oh, hey, guys, we need a vision. We, you know, just like, come on. All that political guys, they're good at it. When we talk a good, strong, compelling vision, I'm making others the co-owners because they're getting the benefits from result of that vision. Therefore, they're committing themselves. They're focused on it. You don't need to put a much effort to maintain a strong will towards that achievement because everybody is about there. It immediately takes care of a very interesting point, enabling decision-making. To make others great decision-makers, I must set them free. What does it mean free? Free, I know where I go. Then I'm free. If you're giving people multiple orders and you're brilliant at micromanagement, you consider people as slaves or hostages. I don't know, you're terrorizing them. But when I'm saying, hey, guys, this is the direction. Whatever you do, as soon as it makes us closer to that achievement, go on. Make your decisions, commit yourself, and people feel free. They have those wings that fly them there. 
And that's important. I love it. I'd want to pick on one thing because you mentioned earlier that vision is not necessarily about this visionary leader, this one person that seems to just be like, this is my vision and then everybody should follow. There's something here that seems different in the way you explain vision, but how would you see that happen when you have organizations that might have a very charismatic, powerful, or as you mentioned, kind of political type of leader who just keeps repeating what their vision is without necessarily involving the rest of the company into building that vision. But it's very, as you said, ego-based vision. But you said that the ego actually kills the vision. So I'd love to hear more about that. What happens there? Vision has six criteria. You know, because vision is pragmatic, is practical. It has six firm criteria. And the first one is stimulus because vision is about acting for people and acting with people. There is nothing like that, I'm a visionary on my own. What's a value for people in your vision? And that immediately reflects in their response. If they see the value for themselves, they respond with acting, producing that or buying that product, doesn't matter they respond. If you're just talking, yeah, you must have that vision because I have it, but then nothing for them, they wouldn't respond. They just ignore it or they will pretend they're buying it. It's about how simple is it? It's about how you're passing your passion to them, how you're making people the multipliers of your passion. So as soon as you have a vision, you must make it a collective property of others who are involved in it or impacted by it. That is quite important. Yet, it must be considered, when you talk about leading a compelling vision, it's nothing about consensus. It's really about leading. Because we are looking for consensus when we don't know where we go. And that's a trouble. As soon as you see people in planning, they're looking for solutions. Oh, what we should do, green or brown, you know, red or blue, doesn't matter, you know, just they're messing up. When you know where you go, it's nothing about consensus. It's about being firm. Because I promised you that we will be there. And I will push you, I will pull you, I'll give you my hand, everything, but we all will be there by that time, together. And that also must be considered. Yes, we're facing many situations when people declare their visions, but that's mainly driven by their personal ambitions. And they're prepared to drive people off a cliff. I'm getting numerous requests. I can't tell you in exact statistical way the frequency of that messages, but they're very frequent. I want to create a billion-dollar company. I said, okay, what's in it for people? I want to be number one in the world or whatever, the richest guy in that village. Cool. What's in your desires for people? Nothing. You're pleasing your ego. You're pleasing your personal ambitions. If you say, I want to create a billion billionaires, aha, people would believe in it because it would be something for themselves. And that is very different. 
Mm, it's a key component to rally the troops. If I'm listening to this right now, and I understand it. So like, if I'm working on the vision, first off, it goes beyond the bottom line, as you said, and it actually starts giving you a bottom line that's even bigger because you've gotten clear on the vision. It's not self-centered. It's actually including all the people because they all get an intrinsic benefit of the direction that you set as a vision. If I'm at a point where I'm just getting started what are the steps I can do to start thinking about what vision should I choose for the company I run or for myself, or as I'm trying to build something, where do I get started to get more clear on what vision I think is going to be the most important? Jason, let's read out things like choice, because I have experience, really my good friend, he just said to me, look, there are so many visions, I don't know which one to choose. You're not copying your vision is always unique. It may sound similar to someone's vision, but it's always unique. Your vision comes from your aspirations, which are sit on the back of your mind. I'm always asking my clients a simple question. It's seemingly simple, to be honest. Write down your aspirations that you had three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, and now. Because you've been thinking on the back of your mind, I want to make that difference. I want to make, for instance, our company to be in that position and helping in that way. And surprisingly enough, one or two or three aspirations will stay consistent over that period of time. Focus on them, not on choosing somebody else's visions. Because that is your driver. The problem is we are the greatest killers of our vision because we think, well, it's not serious. Oh, I can't achieve it. I'm too adult to think that way because it's a big difference. Being an infant in your mind or being a child with creative approach because you need creativity. You need to nurture that aspirations. And those aspirations would lead your imagination in the right direction. And that would spring out incredible inspiration that will impact many people around you. That's a very interesting process. It's like a pass of a butterfly. From here, if I understood this correctly, is you basically go within your own desires and your own visions of what you've had in the last three years and seeing how it evolved year by year. Is that how you're saying yeah, it? I would say three years, I gave you just a snapshot. But you're really looking, for instance, we are producers of something. I don't know, cars, tires, chocolate, doesn't matter. But what a difference we could make beyond of this. I had a recent chat with one of the guys who is running a very interesting healthcare project. They're trying to find a solution how to prevent a loss of child during the pregnancy for women. We were talking all the time about his mother experience, you know, just like whatever happens, and he is trying to appeal to the cases like, imagine about 20 planes are falling down every week, and so we're losing so many lives. So it was nothing about what can be done, why people should aspire to it. Let's turn it in a bit different manner. First of all, think, 
would you like to see 100,000 smiling kids which were not supposed to be born tomorrow? Yes. Cool. That is solution. That's your triumph. Okay, you're a professor of medicine. Excellent. I respect because that is huge. But don't think of medicine being your everything. Medicine in your hands is only a tool to achieve that vision where that 100,000 kids are smiling tomorrow. So you're turning many things around, but it came from his old days aspirations that he want to make that difference, being a really great professor, well-known, really well-known across the globe. But it's matter not to be focused on what you have, it's in a focus what you will bring to people. Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mind Valley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mind Valley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mind Valley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mind Valley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. Now, as soon as I start thinking of even the things that I have a passion for, which a lot of it has to do about seeing the world of sales be in a better place. I mean, that's one of the things I have a vision for. I don't want anybody to be manipulated in the field of sales and marketing. So I want honest companies doing good to know how to sell and market better. And when you start putting a vision that's so big, there's a part of me that gets a little afraid. Am I the one to do this? Am I enough to do this? So I'd be curious to see, like, is this a natural process or reaction in setting a bold vision? Jason, this is. And believe me, because vision is huge. And if you're creating it, you're just sitting down in the middle of a room and you're trying to unpack it. In your mind, you realize how much is important to grow as a vision leader to handle it, to lead it. So it's nothing like I will create something huge and let it go. No, you must grow and keep it growing. And this is where the best of you comes out. It reveals the best of you, the best of your people. And you immediately realize you can't do it yourself. You must have a team of visionaries and you're helping them to become visionaries and together you could achieve it but this is absolutely normal reaction can you imagine a reaction of columbus team when they explored the america they've probably been scared to shit you know just like wow cool have they been happy that they founded bananas no <laughs> All right. So that gives me some comfort. I would hope for everybody listening here, if you're setting a bold vision, if I understand this correctly, you need to understand that when you set it, it's going to scare you a little. And that probably gives an indicator that you're on the right path. I'd love to ask you a deeper question here, Dr. Oleg, which is when I'm on my own, maybe I'm working for a company and I do an exercise to think of what are things about my own vision. 
does me working for a company make me someone who's compromising on my vision? Or are there opportunities that I can work alongside a company to be able to push that vision forward? No. You can't have, for instance, a vision. I have a very different vision for my personal life. It's still about seeing your wife or husband in your future for whom you work together. Even if you're working in a tough environment called Dark Kingdom, being a hostage because you still need to make money for living, you know, and bring back to your family to me. You're saying, okay, that's just only the way to live, but you're still thinking, what's the best I could do? Even if you're working in a great environment, you're saying, okay, on my level, in that department, what we could do, what kind of a vision we could have for that department that would make the entire corporation stronger. I had a case, it was very interesting, when a separate unit in Scandinavia created their vision, which was adopted by their American headquarters. They decided, hey, we will do something ourselves. Top guys, we will adopt it <laughs> for an entire company. That was great. And so in this case, even if you're working within a department, you're with a small team, you basically just make that decision of just being extremely bold in what you want to create that actually rallies everyone you work with. And this seems to be kind of a antidote because I feel like the most common thing I hear about corporate is when you're within a department and you're like, let's do this great idea or let's do this thing and let's move forward with a vision that most people are just like, well, I just want to do the minimum and go home. Oh, yeah. And there's people that are not ready to be going the extra mile. Is this a result of you've hired the wrong people? Is it because you haven't done the right work to inspire them? What do you typically do in these environments? Every company has that silos, office silos. A lot of it. But this silence is nourished by the guys from the top who tolerate such behavior. But I would answer it from a different angle. One of the questions I'm always asking my clients is, is fairly simple. Can you name a clear list how many followers and supporters you do have? The first reaction people think, I know 100 people, they will support me. I say, can you name exactly who will, I'm not talking about likes on the social media, who will really support you, who will do something. You will be surprised. For the very beginning, it can be two, it can be five. I never got into a case that more than seven people supported someone initially. On something important. Usually it's one or two or three. And then say, cool, now you are not frustrating. You're not expecting a miracle to happen because everyone is nice person. You think, okay, I will bet on that two, three colleagues with whom we will start that journey. And those who would be inspired, they will join us. And then you will start building a real base of supporters. But if you're relying on the people who would be putting you on the shoulders, oh, yeah, yeah, cool idea, and running away from you and saying, ah, really stupid, you know, whatever, just all kind of things. Be realistic. I really love this, Dr. Oleg. I'm having so much fun here because 
I can see how all these apply in so many ways and it doesn't need to be as intimidating or as paralyzing as a grand vision could be because here you're talking about if let's say I have this grand vision, you know, going back to the marketing and sales, it can start with me. Let's say I'm working with a small department of salespeople is going out and telling everybody, hey, why don't we start creating the most ethical department of sales? And we'll even go and try to win an award for the ways that we decide to innovate in the way that we sell, for example, is already a kind of goal that you can set or a vision that inspires people yes. around, impacts lives. And it's almost like the first base camp at the base of the mountain that you can continue to climb. So it doesn't need to be like right away, I need to inspire a hundred thousand people by tomorrow. And then you feel lost or paralyzed as you have some steps you can take and start implementing on that vision. But again, it starts with just looking at yourself and thinking of the things that you're passionate about. Is this something that usually comes to us at our older age or like, can anybody start with this process even as we're really young? Or do you find that at a certain age, we start asking ourselves these questions where it really starts to sink in? I have people really working with this at the age of 27. And I have people who are almost 70. It's about, as we said, decision. But what's important to mention, when we talk about vision, we're not talking about being smart. Being smart is some kind of a two-dimensional way. It's solving buzzwords. Oh, I could read books because I'm quite good with reading. We're all good with reading these days. It's about being wise. It's about connecting those dots. If a smart person, as you said, I love your example, you're saying, okay, we want to create something important, even being a small team and relying on each other. Great. And smart person will be thinking, look, come on, let's employ somebody from with a good SMM knowledge and they will create us for a bit of money. I don't know, 100,000 of followers, but it would be empty. Smart, but meaningless. We must make it meaningful. We must make it wise. How we will move from here to there? Because everything we do now is about what kind of a legacy we could leave to the next generation for our children in corporate world? What kind of a legacy I could leave to the next intake of a new employees? How many people, was, particularly with the companies with quite high people turnover, people who were working in the company for three years, can they say much to a new employee? No, they know nothing. There is no legacy within the company. So a big company becomes a broken chain. It's all fragmented, it's all in pieces. But vision is about wisdom because how we'll be judged for everything we do. Dr. Oleg, this has been such a fantastic conversation. I had one more question that's at the back of my mind. I feel like it's a tricky one, but I'm still feeling like it's powerful to ask. What do you think of the organizations that exist, make money, but they're in departments such as cigarette companies? I mean, that's the first thing I can think of because it's quite commonly understood that cigarettes have a negative effect on our health, yet they still exist. They still thrive. What is the future you see for these companies, which the vision or their purpose of existence isn't necessarily making humanity better? 
it's not about, but it's about satisfying certain demands. And it's nothing wrong with that. We need a lot of services. We need a lot of products in our life, which will say to satisfy certain needs. Okay, you took extreme example, cigarette producers. At the same time, we could say, okay, milk producers, what's their greater vision? If there's the same quality standard, should be consistent over the years. More milk, less water in it. <laughs> it shouldn't be about. Can we say, do they need a grand vision? Probably not. Vision, it doesn't necessarily mean that every person on this planet should have a vision or must have a vision. No. But particularly when we talk about innovation, we need to have a vision to know which area we should do something differently. It's about breaking boundaries. Why do we need this? Because our vision and our thinking defines our evolution. Yet, we still need to have, I don't know, clothing, food, many, many other things of which would remain basic on our list. So, there's nothing wrong with those guys. Oh, yet, many things need to be done with a vision. But what's more important in this sense, which we probably missed in our conversation, that the millions of families living in an unhappy way. To live a meaningful, happy life, you must have a vision. You must envision your partner in that future that you create for both of you. In this sense, you're not thinking in a way what brand of a milk you will be drinking. It's about how you would smile at each other. In 20 years' time, in 40 years' time, vision is a huge legacy that we could leave to the next generation. And that is quite fascinating. I absolutely love it. Dr. Oleg Konovalov, thank you so much for having thank a conversation you. with everybody here. This was a fantastic call. Of course, for everybody listening here, know that we've went through the vision code, the importance of this vision. When you apply it within the business world, not only do you find yourself that the bottom line starts taking care of itself, but you're able to rally amazing people to be able to push this vision forward. And of course, it doesn't come from your egotistical side. It comes about the benefit to others. This was repeated by Dr. Oleg throughout the call is when you set that vision, how does it make the world better for the people around you? So you can rally people to see their own benefits within that vision and how it shifts the world into a better place. I also love that this can be applied in your personal life. This can be applied in your career as well. But realize it is the most important thing. So if you can take the time, use one of the exercises that was shared here, which is think about the things that are really important, the changes you want to see. What is your personal vision? You can look back three years, two years, one year, as was explained today, and you can start seeing what are some of the things that really get you motivated and fired up for whatever it is that you do. And then there are steps you can take to get yourself a step closer. Dr. Oleg, thank you again for coming here, thank for everybody much. tuning in. Make sure you grab a copy of The Vision Code, how to create and execute a compelling vision for your business. For everybody tuning in, thank you and keep being superhuman.
Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast.